Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Chasing Easy, where we have conversations that are unscripted and authentic and raw with people who have walked through something in life that will help to inform yours. And tonight, I have a really special guest. I know it sounds like I always say that, just give me some space here and some grace, but she really is special. We met probably about six weeks ago. And I knew that there was something really unique about her. And I thought that she would be an absolutely perfect guest. And I was right. So we are going to be hearing her story really for the first time together. So thank you for listening in. And I just want to welcome you, Viola, to the podcast. Hi. Yes. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Yes. Thank you. And so I want you to kind of share with the audience, how did we meet? So we met at a great fundraising event for a nonprofit called Pathfinders for Autism, where I work. Um, We got to meet at the local in Hartford County. If you guys are familiar with it, awesome. If you're not, you should definitely check it out. They have amazing food. It was this lovely wine dinner. Um, and Teresa is friends with my boss, Katie, who is awesome. And we all had the pleasure of sitting together, me, Katie, Teresa, and her husband and enjoying the meal and the drinks and great conversation. Um, it was a lovely night. It was, it was. And so we had never met each other before that night. And what I think is really going to be key here is that really be present in the moment, people. You know, those of you that are listening, just be present in the moment. And, And what do I mean by that? What I mean by that is remove all the distractions. If you're talking to somebody, look in their eyes when when they're talking to you. Don't don't be distracted thinking or looking at other things. We can't stop you from thinking about other things, but certainly pay attention to them. And you will discover so much beauty by doing that. And then also it'll be returned to you because if you're talking and somebody is looking away from you and they're distracted, how does that make you feel, right? It unimportant, unacknowledged. So because I was present and I got to tell you, first of all, I'm not always a saint, so I'm not always present. That's more with my husband though. (laughs) Anyway, that's another story. But I was was completely present just because of your presence. Um, Thank you. Just really wanted to get to know you a little better. And then you had agreed. I said, you've got a story, don't you? And you said, I sure do. And I said, well, I would love to have you on my podcast. So that's where we're going to pick this up, guys, is what is your story? Who were you before PFA, Pathfinders mm-hmm. for Autism? Yes. Um Well, you know, I personally believe I was a lot of things. I was many different people and I feel like I'm going to be a lot more different people in the time to come. But, um, you know, at one point I was a straight A student, uh, you know, front of the row, raising her hand, participating, playing soccer, playing the saxophone, just the model daughter. You know, peer, Girl Scouts, um, you know, and then at some point that changed and I became the rebellious teenager. And 
that turned into um, a drug addict. And from there, it changed again, you know, then I became a recovered addict and so many different things all up until this point. And I recently celebrated a huge accomplishment for me. I graduated from college with a 4.0 and as valedictorian. So what? Yeah. Hold on. Let's celebrate that. Yeah. That's a yeah. congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. It was honestly um a nerve-wracking, fun, and like amazing process and experience. And I'm really grateful for it. It's like a full so, circle. It, it it is. It is. Um so I want to so you're bringing up questions now, right? Um, a model student, you know, straight A's, playing the sax, very involved in extracurricular activities at school. And then you turn into a teenager, which is what all of us do, God willing. At what point, because we don't just casually go into becoming a drug addict. That's something that I call it a slow fade. You start hanging around with the wrong people. You start getting intrigued by what they're doing. And then you want to do what they're doing. So kind of walk us through when you became this rebellious teen, because we all do. What yeah. happened that was the trigger that changed you from the straight A student to getting involved with the wrong things? Well, you know, that's actually a way more complicated question than it sounds. And if you asked me that question five years ago, you probably would have gotten a different answer. But with me being who I am, I, I majored in psych and I really studied child and adolescent development. Um, you know, I think it started before I even realized it. I think it started when I was kind of suppressing my own wants and needs or not being heard in certain relationships or at home. Um, and just carrying a lot. And I think that that shifted into depression, which, you know, I went through like late middle school, early high school. Um, and it just stayed inward, you know? And I think for me, it was not dealing with certain things, not processing certain things and continuing to being the straight A, you know, model student, daughter, whatever, friend, that eventually it got to a point where things just slowly started to change. So I think definitely a boy. Um, okay. There yeah. we go. Yeah, <laughs> definitely a boy. You know, I'm, it's yeah. goody, I'm a goody goody in, in ninth and 10th grade. And then I meet the first guy I ever dated, which he was smoking weed at the time. So I was around that and I started smoking too. And the people that he were hanging around were like his friends and their older siblings. And so the older individuals would be doing more like around, you know, Coke or pills or something. And right, so let me, hang on, Violet. I want to ask you a question because you said because the boy was smoking weed, then you started smoking weed. Did you feel out of place because you weren't doing that? And so to be accepted, you said, well, I guess this is what I need to do. No, no, no. I wanted mind? to, I okay. wanted to escape. Honestly, I wanted to see what it would 
be like. And it was nice, you know, um, it was. There was a lot of just negative energy at home. Um, my parents had gotten divorced when I was two. So my whole life has been mom's house and dad's house. And there was just a lot going on at mom's house. And that's where I was the majority of the time because the courts tend to rule with the mother for good reasons most of the time. But, you know, things happen how they do. And yeah. I just, I, I mean, I dated the guy because I wanted to rebel in a way. Yeah, he was the bad boy, but like there were plenty of good boys that I was attracted to that liked me. Like, and I was a good kid. I was, I could have had who I wanted, you know what I mean? Um, but I think that part of the bad boy was like, just, I don't know. I don't know. I well, we're usually drawn to the opposite of what people think we should be drawn to. And yeah. it, it's part of exploring excitement, something that's unknown, you know, it's unexpected. And when you're in a rebellious state, you're not going to go with what everybody else is thinking you should do, including yourself, right? Yeah. It's almost as if you have something to prove. But you said something that's really interesting is that you, you started smoking because you wanted to. Yeah, And it was an escape. Now you said it was nice. So I don't want anybody to get the idea that, that getting high and doing drugs and that it's nice because it is for a no. moment. Yes. And then yes. reality sets in. Yes, it always does. And I mean, I didn't really do anything with him beyond smoking weed. That was really the extent of the drugs I did with him. But at that point I had, a door had been opened for me. Exactly. Um, I knew people and yeah, I just, and I, I wanted more, like it wasn't enough for me. And I think that that's important thing to recognize that the only thing that all addicts share in common, whatever their addiction may be is wanting to not feel wanting to get away from it, wanting to escape, wanting to cope in not the right way. You know, we all have our coping mechanisms and drugs is a very, very unhealthy coping mechanism. Um, so, you know, it, it escalated really because of my best friend. Um, that's at this point I'm hanging out with her and she just has access to everything. So um, in about, you know, eight months, I went from being the straight A student to, this was a big deal for me to ease. My GPA dropped to a 3.52, which was significant. I mean, I had all A's. I completely failed my AP tests because I was just too high to take them. And I could have not had to take those classes in college. You know, um, I just didn't care. And mm -hmm. It, um, it felt good temporarily just because everything that I had been carrying from a little girl to this point, I was no longer responsible for, but I was too, you know, caught up in my own pain and chasing away, you know, having to deal with it that I didn't at first see the damage that I was doing to my family, um, especially my little brother, that part sucks but 
he did the complete opposite of me. So at least he learned from me and we have a very close relationship now, but it got, yeah, it got worse before it got better. Um, Yeah. So let let me ask you, uh, and and I did an earlier episode. It's probably one of, I want to say it's the second or third episode that was called numbing out. And everything that you're describing, it is what she did to numb out. She didn't want to feel, she didn't feel like she was heard. And so she found somebody who would hear her, but it was in in a very unhealthy setting. Like you said, it's either drugs or alcohol. Some people at sex, some, I mean, there's a whole myriad of things, right? Sometimes it's food that you say, oh, that's no big deal, but it is even working out things that appear healthy for you. Anytime you become obsessed with it, now it's flipped the corner and it's no longer healthy. Yeah, um, definitely. But you, you know, you, you hit on, it was your coping mechanism, but I would imagine between the ages of two and the straight A student to exploring with this new boy, maybe you didn't have anything to compare it to that this is what a healthy relationship with myself looks like so that I don't need to cope in unhealthy ways. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that's the thing, you know, before the boy and before the drugs, I was cutting. Um, and before that I, I had tried, I had tried to been, have been heard, but I wasn't, I, um, was met with the opposite. And what do you mean by that? I was kind of shut out and I, was told that I was too young to feel those things or even know what it was. Um, And there was also just a lot of toxicity, you know, between my mother and my father and just my mother and me, to be completely honest. You know, I think me going to school and studying what I did was to help me understand how you become who you become. You know, mm-hmm. because a lot of it stems from your childhood. It really does. And often that gets overlooked, but how we are treated when we are young, how our parents interact with us, how they talk to us affects how we view ourselves and it affects how we view the world. And it affects how we choose to cope with the world, you know, sure. um, but everyone has a choice. Everyone definitely has a choice. And I, at some point, chose to turn my life around. I have been clean for six and a little, almost six and a half years. Another celebration. Yeah. Good for you. Sorry, did I blow your ears out? No. Okay. No. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's something to celebrate. Yeah. and, And to your point of choosing, right, every day is Tuesday for us. It really yes. is. Easy and best are rarely on the same path. That's a quote by Alan Arnold, who is an author. And that's part of what my premise is with Chasing Easy, the podcast. A lot of times we chase easy because it becomes familiar as opposed to choosing best because it's harder. But you said your brother witnessing what you were going through chose the opposite. Yeah. So even though we are informed by our upbringing, by our childhood, by the way that we're received or not received, accepted or not re- accepted, loved or not loved, 
when we become old enough and aware that we can make a different choice, now it's up to us and it's our responsibility. Yes. And I just love that that's what you did. You recognized you. what was going on, coped with it in a way that you maybe really didn't even have any other options at the time, but then you realized what it was doing. So, so talk, talk to us about about that. First of all, what you thought about yourself once you realized this isn't a healthy way to cope and then how you got out of that. I want you to speak life into, into this audience that may be exactly where you were those years ago. Um, well, it definitely was my rock bottom, uh, as they say. Uh, you know, and I, I think a lot of it was just surrender. A lot of it was just like, look at me trying to go about life this way and setting myself up for these horrible things to keep happening, you know, because when I really turned my life around, I was going to rehab for the third time. And at this point, you know, I was using heroin intravenously. So things had gotten intense, but I, here I am thinking I'm doing what's best for me. You know, this is how I'm choosing to deal with life. And it keeps getting me in these horrible situations. So it was really a point of just putting down my guard, the guard that I had built to try to protect myself from all of the feelings and just saying like, this is not working. This is not the way. I don't know what is the way, but I know that I need today I need to try something different because if I keep going about dealing with my problems this way, I will not be here to deal with them at some point or I won't have my family around, you know, or I'll, I, and I just didn't want that, you know, I, um, yeah, yeah. And so I, I, I called, this was the first time I tried to get myself into rehab and I went to the worst rehab, the rehab that my friend told me about, like, that was just not fun. Cause you know, some of them are kind of like mini spas and I needed to go I somewhere. Don't I wasn't, well, like commercials. I, I, I don't know what that one commercial was, but some of them are pretty nice. The first one I went to was pretty nice. Um, but the last one I went to was not. And it was just what I needed. They really saved my life. They heard me. Um, and I, I really think that to everyone out there listening, like who may be struggling with whatever you have going on, um, just getting out of your own way sometimes and giving yourself a break because, you know, one of the things I did was I, I talked so negatively to myself while I was using and even before then. And, and I think that a lot of people who are struggling pictured things to be a different way or them to be a different way or whatever. And where you are is just where you are today. You have the ability to be wherever you want tomorrow. You know, you really do. I faced death more than once and just being here to me is a miracle sometimes we have to let go of how things are we think things are supposed to be or feel and 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 a lot of times we make assumptions about things that aren't even true and to your point of you know 
our minds are powerful. So what we think about ourselves and what we say about ourselves is going to be the lens that we look through the world with, which is exactly what you said. We will draw the wrong people or the right people, depending on the lens that we're looking through based on our thoughts. And there was something else that you said earlier on in the interview that I really want to touch on. And that is that you didn't jump right into weed. You were coping in other ways before you got to that point, which then brought on the spur of the other drugs. And that was cutting. And I know that that is something that I've had to deal with myself as a mom with one of my daughters. I had no idea, no idea. So the reason I want to park there for a second is because it's really hidden and and you don't see it until maybe you see the scars. Yeah. Can you give us a hint of what to look for that somebody might be cutting? How would we recognize that? You know, it's difficult because we all express ourselves differently. You know, someone might be really bubbly, like in front of you, um, but then do it behind closed doors, but others might kind of draw away. And I think that's, you know, more of a sign, like something changing, more isolation, less of an open relationship, you know, just feeling like as a teenager um, that you have to hide something can lead to hiding, you know, these kinds of behaviors. And I think creating a, a space with your child where they feel always feel comfortable to come to you about things. Um, because if they do, they'll never feel like they're taking things on alone. And usually when someone's doing that, it's, it's, you know, them trying to deal with what they have going on alone and not in the best way. And I know that some, some teenagers just choose to isolate no matter how much of a safe space that you provide, you know, everyone is unique, but I really think that trying to create that space early on, you know, if I had been met with more love and understanding when I came to my parents, when I was 13, maybe it would have changed what I was doing at 15 or 16. Mm. And it could have been even earlier than that. Um, But yeah. And That's how do I you, I, I, and I'm sorry that I'm, I'm, I'm getting on this because it's something that you, you really touched in me. Who learns how to cut? I mean, how do you know <laughs> what to do, right? It, it, it yeah. Just, well, the because problem I'm so is, far on the outside of it. I, I don't yeah. understand. The problem is, understand. I grew up watching it on Degrassi or, you know, nowadays, like 13 reasons why, like we live in a world where everything is dramatized and posted and shared. And especially now, I mean, you can go on the internet and find virtually anything. So it's really just the, the culture. I mean, it's. Wow. Oh, because It is sad, but I mean, think about it. You know, if, if it wasn't a thing and people weren't talking about it and it wasn't on TV shows, like 
why would that even really be a thought that crosses most girl teenager minds when they're going through puberty and having trouble dealing with everything changing in their body and also feeling really alone because they don't even understand their body. Yeah. It's just a very vulnerable time for teenagers, especially women. And yeah. yeah. So because we have access to all of this stuff, right, online, really just a click and you can find out whatever you want. It fuels and feeds the way people are coping today, which is much, much different. You know, before somebody might have like slammed a door really hard. Well, now they're just taking everything and it's imploding. Yeah. And I, I want to say that probably, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, when we're not, you know, the two very basic needs, and I know I'm talking to a psych major, but two of the very basic needs are love and acceptance. And when you're not getting that and you're not receiving it, it's really hard for you to give it, but it affects your self-worth and your identity. So if you feel like there is no value for you, you're going to do the things that are going to harm you. Yeah. Is that an accurate assumption on my part or? Yeah, I think so. I, I think that's definitely a lot of it. And I think it's also the reinforcement from the environment that mm -hmm. you're met with when you do try to get that nurturance or guidance or protection, you know, um, because you don't no one's brought into this world hating themselves, a drug addict, racist, or anything. You know, we all come into this world with a clean slate and our environment and the society that we live in shapes all of it. And it starts at home. I mean, it starts before we're born, you know, uh, just it's, it's really fascinating. Um, I mean, and it makes complete sense, but I feel like in our society, it's so overlooked how much responsibility is on parents mm -hmm. to raise uh, a particular type of individual, you know? Um, and, and it just, it doesn't really get noticed until now the kid is, you know, breaking the law or hurting other people or things like that. And at this point, you know, it falls on them. It's now their responsibility because they've taken this action and they face the consequences. And a lot of us are just trying to survive in the world that we were, we were brought into, which could be completely different than the next person. I'm not saying that that rids anyone of responsibility for the actions that they do. I just think that things should be looked at sooner, you know? Yeah. I, and I a hundred percent agree because our, our upbringing has the greatest influence on our lives. Yeah. And so if we are a society, you think about, you know, single mom households, you know, there is not a male figure. And here is a mama trying to raise a boy without a male influencer. Where are they going to learn? They're going to learn from society. They're going to learn from their friends, from sources that you don't want them to learn from. Right. Yep. Um, and, and I like what you said, that it doesn't rid anybody of the responsibility, really, of making their own decisions and own choices. But one thing that I've learned in my own life is people are acting out in ways to get the love and acceptance that they never got at home. And even if it is bad attention, they're still getting attention. Yeah, absolutely. That's definitely a thing. Yeah. Definitely. It's, so it's also... 
Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, it's also just some people's only means of communicating. Like if you live in a household where your mom and dad argue all the time, that's what you know as a relationship. That's what it's supposed to be. And if it's not that way, even if, and this isn't for everyone because people can make their own choices, but like, that's normal to you. So now you seek that. That Maybe the relationship isn't interesting unless you guys are arguing because that's all, you know, you know, and it's, and it's crazy because a lot of people don't even realize like Mm -hmm. why with some of the things, why they are the way they are you know, where it came from, but yeah. I, I call that driven by chaos. Some people don't know how to survive and thrive unless there is chaos. And if there's yes. not chaos, they create it. Yes. So and it, it's just so sad. I've seen it. I've yeah. lived with it. So I'm, I'm really familiar with that, but you know, there is hope in all of this. You obviously have come through it. And, and Joyce Meyer says, there is no drive-through breakthrough. You have to go through. So in order to really do sort of a self-discovery, you have to go through some stuff. I mean, we all do. We're, we are going to have trials and tribulations until the day we're called home. That's just the way it is. But you, you hit on a key word. And I really want the audience to hear this. The word that you used was surrender. You came to a point, I call it from the guttermost to the uttermost. I mean, you've got to be dig down deep into the gutter in order to realize that's not how you want to live anymore. And you have to be completely vulnerable to be at a place of surrender to make the change. Walk us through that journey of when you decided this isn't going to work. I'm surrendering. This has got to change. Kind of walk us through that. It's going to help somebody that's listening. Well, it definitely, you know, it's, it's a process. I surrendered when I chose to get myself into rehab instead of um, going and just trying to figure it out, doing whatever, but knowing that my parents were turning their backs on me at this point. Um, You know, they didn't try to get me into rehab or anything. They were kind of like, at this point, do what you want. So I surrendered when I chose that. I surrendered again when I showed up to go to rehab. Mm -hmm. Um, and I surrendered every day just by staying. Um, and then I really surrendered four weeks later, still in there when I chose to stop being in my own way, because here I am again in rehab, but like, no one can tell me anything. I know what's best. I'm not doing this. I don't need that. And that was me not surrendering. That was me trying to take control again. Um, and then I surrendered again when I left and I moved to Montgomery County, you know, far away from where I had lived before and with no car, trying to figure it out, you know, getting into a sober house, getting a job and everything. And, um, at some, yeah, at some point it just became that every day, just waking up and choosing surrendering in a way just yeah so what what you're saying is really important because once you make the decision to surrender it's not a one and done you're you're done with it your hands are wet clean it's an everyday sometimes minute by minute decision 
really, that you're going to surrender because we are always going to have temptations. And when you are an addict, I've heard it said you're always an addict. I know that's me in my own case that, you know, I can't be around certain things. Um, so it's recognizing that for your own health and your own sanity to stay on the path of, I would call it righteousness, that you've got to completely surrender every single day, you know, not doing the things that you might want to do that are appealing. But part of that surrender, I want to talk about this for a minute, is maybe surrendering relationships, relationships that are not healthy for you, that are feeding into an addiction or a temptation. What can you say about that part of the surrendering? Um, for me, people outside of my family have been easy relationships like that have been easier to give up. I've moved around a lot with getting clean and getting my life together and started over. But, you know, I think the biggest relationships that can be the most toxic um, are relationships with people in your family. And, you know, uh, I'm here. I am being clean for as long as I've been clean. I feel like I'm back at square one sometimes just because of me trying to navigate how to have a relationship with my mother. And um, at one point, I didn't really talk to her at all. You know, I had to set um, boundaries and that can be that can be really hard for a child or a parent. You know, I know that at some point my parents would have had to set boundaries with me if I continued to use for their own sanity. And it's not easy because those are the people closest to you are the ones that can hurt you the most because they know you in ways that no one else does. And with that, you know, I say to everyone, when you surrender, it sounds like you're giving up to someone else, but you're giving up to whatever's holding you where you are. And you are finally putting yourself first and finally pouring love back into yourself and taking care of you. And you can never have the relationship you want with anyone if you don't have a good relationship with yourself. Sometimes. Okay. That, that's like a, a double mic drop right there. Can you repeat that again? You can never have the relationship you want with other people if you don't have the healthy relationship with yourself. That's it. I mean, that, that sounds so simple and, and it really is in theory, but to actually do it and, and look, I'm, I'm going to be 60 years old and I can still struggle with that. Yeah. We allow the thoughts to come back into our head. Even if we are 20 years clean, yep. we have these thoughts of, oh my gosh, how could I ever forgive myself for doing that? And bull crap, replace those thoughts with who you really are. And you are a cherished, treasured daughter of the king. I mean, you are altogether beautiful and there is no flaw in you. And you have to let your light shine. You are a mouthpiece to bring hope to other people that are struggling with what you have come through. And I love that you have graduated. Is, is it a psych major? What do you plan on doing with that? So right now... Um, I'm planning on starting my own business right now. Okay. Um, I want to go back to school for my master's. I really, 
would love to do work with children, but um, I want to do like nonprofit volunteer type work. I really, there's a lot of things I want to do, honestly. I just want to make a difference, you know, and I found through everything that I've learned that, you know, you can make the most impact when you intervene in childhood or when you have that shine that light on a child, because then they don't have to make the choices that I made to even get here. They can create that healthy relationship with themselves and that positive self-talk young. So when temptation or, you know, whatever it is tries to come up and challenge their belief of themselves, they're strong enough to stand on it. And I just want to help people do that while also being happy and enjoying my life, you know? Oh, that's so good. That's so, so good. So you, you brought up a couple of things that I want to share and, and, we've got a couple of minutes left. Um, one of the things I do want to reference, because you're talking about love of self, right? In my book, I talk about how I wanted to be loved so badly that I settled for bad love. And that's what a lot of us do. We settle yes. because we are fearful that, well, if somebody knew everything about me, they're never going to love me. You know, I've got to be what other people are expecting me to be. Mm -hmm. as opposed to being my real, true, authentic self. Yeah. Take the mask off. One of the title or one of the chapters in my book is called The Masquerade Charade. And it, it, it's, we all wear a mask. But yeah. when you are not wearing a mask and you don't give a rip about what somebody else thinks about you, which is none of your business, by the way, yep. you start living in freedom and yeah. really enjoying your life. And so I yeah. just, I want that for, for the folks that are listening. Um, also, I think a big thing, if you're struggling, take a break from social media. Uh, or if you're going to stay on social media, change the type of accounts you're following and make sure you're seeing positive things because social media is really just a depression pill, if you ask me. Yeah. And, you know, in the Bible, it says that your eyes are the window to your soul. So whatever you're feeding your eyes is getting into your soul. So that is yeah. such a good point. Such a good point. The other thing that I want to recommend, there is a new book out by Lisa Turkhurst. And I just love the way that she writes. But the book is called uh, Good Boundaries and Goodbyes. It's powerful. I'm only, I think, three chapters in. And if I didn't have other things going on, I would have been done the book by now. Of course. <laughs> So again, I'm, I'm just going to tell you that the title to that book is called, and it's by Lisa Turkhurst. Lisa is L-Y-S-A, Good Boundaries and Goodbyes. So I really recommend that. Um, I'm not sure if it's in an audio version. It might be, but I, I know that it's on Kindle and hardback and paperback. So I really recommend that. It was just released last week. Awesome. Um, and then are there any other resources that you can think of that might help somebody who is struggling right now to really get connected with something that is healthy and helpful. Psychology today is a great resource. You can literally like shop for a therapist, like styled to the, the type of person you would want to talk to the type of approaches they use. I, I think that it's great. Um, I also read a book that kind of opened my mind um, and really made me realize, you know, how important childhood was and how what we go through shapes us and specifically even more so just trauma and how trauma shapes us. 
And the book is called The Body Keeps the Score. I think we might have talked about this before by mm. Bessel, Bessel van der Kolk. It's an older book, but I think it's a good place for people to start who are maybe confused as to why they feel the way they feel, or maybe they react to certain situations in ways they don't want to, but they don't really have control over it, or just, you know getting a better understanding because I, I, a lot of us have experienced trauma at this mm -hmm. point in the world. We all have. And even if you haven't, it might help you understand why your girlfriend or boyfriend doesn't like being held or whatever, you know, it's just, yeah. I think it, it really gave me a place to start to kind of um, understand things better. That's great. And then, and then you brought up another book for me that I wanted to recommend too, and it's called Positive Intelligence. It's by yes. Shirzad Shermain. Um, and this book will help you to rewire your brain into the positive neuropathways versus all the negative stuff that we have constantly told ourselves. I mean, we judge ourselves, circumstances, and other people. And yes. then we sabotage on top of that judgment yeah, ourselves, other people, and circumstances. <laughs> So if you get to the root of that and you start practicing something that's going to replace those thought patterns, it will really help you to conquer what you're thinking about yourself so that you can start loving on yourself. So then you are able to love other people well, love yep. yourself first well, like you said, and then you can love other people well. Yeah. So in closing then the relationships that you currently have, are you still tethered to anybody that you were when you were going through this dark moment in your life, other than your, your parents, of course, you're. No, know. I, no, I'm not at all. Walked away from those friends. Yeah. Yeah. And some of them have gotten their lives together, you know, some, and we might check in on Facebook every once in a while, but it's just not who I am anymore. You know, at the beginning, I said that I have been married, many different versions of myself, many different people, and, and that will continue to change. And who I was and who I was friends with at that point was what was serving me then in its own way. And the people that I have in my life now serve me in much better ways and help me be the person that I am and want to continue to be. And to that note, you were that same person for somebody else, right? Absolutely. Because you, you are influencing the people that are around you. You're influencing the audience here. The folks that are listening here, encouraging them. So I, I just, you know, in, in wrapping this up, I want to thank you so, so much for spending time with me. I want to thank you for sharing your story. I know I feel like we could have talked for probably another couple of hours because you have so much that you can share. But I think we get the gist of it, right? You don't have to stay stuck in where you are now. There is a yep. way out, but you have to choose it. It is your responsibility and I'll tell you yes. one thing that my husband said to me, and I wanted to, can I say I wanted to punch him in the throat? That's probably not a nice thing to say, but <laughs> it's honest. Me, yeah, it is honest. But he, we were talking about something and I was just complaining. And he said, you are 100% responsible for where you are right now. Ouch. Isn't that just, I know, right? Ouch. <laughs> Yeah. So just so the audience is aware, I did not punch him in the throat. I did not smack him. I might've mumbled under my breath. And then I realized he was right. And I had to humbly come before him and say, you know what? You're right, baby. I'm, I am responsible. So any parting words of wisdom 
that you would like to share? It's going to sound cliche just because, I mean, it is, but, you know, just take it one day at a time. And if that's too much, take it one hour or one minute at a time. And where you are today does not mean that you need to be there tomorrow. You know, give yourself space and allow yourself grace. Mm, Space and grace. I like it. Yes, indeed. Right. Well, thanks again so much for being my guest on here. Folks, remember, you know, hashtag chasing easy, like and subscribe and share as much as you can for people that, you know, need the message. And then I do want to put a plug in for my book, which is called Chasing Easy and a Life of Hard Choices. You can find it on Amazon, Barnes and Noble. But that that may offer some hope, too. Yes, Um, definitely. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye.